God is, is never late. What he does is, is never late. It might not be quite in our plans and our time, um, and a lot of times it's not. Um, I'm here to tell you um, he's good, he's perfect, he's right, but the way we see things a lot of times is somewhat inaccurate to the way he sees things unless we line it up with the word of God. Um, and we know that the word of God tests uh, what humans think. Um, that's, that's just the way to say it best. Um, we see things a certain way, um, depending on where we've been born, who we've been around, um, all kinds of different things. Uh, and God doesn't see it any way like that. Um, Jesus, when he came, a, you know, he, he would have gone to the, the rich, the up, the, all of that. They didn't want him. You know, they, they wanted someone who they could maybe potentially control you know, do things, and, and Jesus wasn't that. You know, you, you can't control God. God won't be controlled. And so in the process, you see this, you know, t- to this day, you see this fight of man and God. And God's ways are perfect, and the way he does things, they're not meant to really mess with people, but at the same time, because man, in their sin all those years ago, and the things that have added up over generation after generation, we see things very dimly, the Bible says. You know, very, very, you know, he sees them clearly. He understands them. He's a spirit. We are too, but we also have a body. You know, and so there's a, there's a matter of you need this earth suit to stay on this planet. Um, but at the same time, this is going away one day. And if you've noticed anything about what's going on in our world, um, it's pretty fast. It's, it's fast approaching. I mean, we were just in Bulgaria, which is just a stone's throw from Israel, actually. It's a two-hour flight. Um, the pastors we were working with, his dad was actually in Israel when it was attacked. And so um, it really kind of brings to light everything that is going on around the world. We are not for one against another. We're for, we're for harvest. We're for people. Um, and God is definitely for people. You know, as you, as you look and as you see... The Bible says that in the throne room in Revelations that every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, every people is going to be represented in that throne room. And so here and now, what we have, we have a job. And that job is to reach those people. Um, Maybe you don't go across the ocean. Maybe you go next door. Well, you can reach someone I can't reach. And you can reach someone Pastor Brad can't reach. And you can touch someone's life that he might never see. So, you see, every moment that you step out of your door, you are a light to those around you. You, and, and I'll say it like this, you will be held responsible. I know that's kind of heavy in a way, but you will. The Bible talks about it. It talks about, in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about being able to lay things before his feet. It says you have wood, hay, stubble, or, or precious jewels, and it talks about building on a foundation that is right and is good. And... We are responsible for that. Um, God has set it out. He's opened it up. It's up to you whether you want to believe that or not. There are plenty of things in the Bible. Um, Every single one of them is absolutely true. Um, But we certainly know people in our lives in every facet that maybe will take one thing but not another. You know, maybe they'll take this but not another. But the Bible is the infallible word of God. It also says in John 1, it says that the word became flesh. So the word 
the Bible, the Spirit of God created Jesus. That's how he came into this earth, is through prophecy, through Scripture, through this right here, and man looking at it, man talking about it. And it didn't just happen overnight. You know, we, we, we're kind of an instant society. We want things, you know, pray for it today, it happens tomorrow. Um, that would be nice, but not even an apple tree produces apples in a night. And so, um, as Brad said, you know, there are uh, seed time and there's harvest. In fact, if you go back to Genesis 8, he said there would, be, there would be certain things that would remain no matter what. And do you know what the first one is? Seed time and harvest. Summer and winter. Cold and heat. But seed time and harvest. You see, everything in our life is a seed. Jesus was a seed. He was the seed of God. He was the promise. And that seed produced us, you know, along with many sons, many daughters, many people. And so as you go through this life and you realize the importance of um, what God has done, what he's done through Jesus, um, we get to be a small part of it. You know, it's a, it's a family. It's a body. It's working together. It's all the different parts moving and going. And some of you saw us. Uh, you were here. Two weeks ago with the launch, we were here, and then we were gone for two and a half weeks, and I came back with a nice raspy voice, and, you know, and I don't usually sound like Sean Connery, but today I do, and um, that's okay. You know, that kind of goes with the territory. Um, I'm here, I'm kicking, I'm alive, and I'm good, you know, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you know, so many of us want everything in life to go perfect. We want it to go just the way we planned didn't even go the way Jesus planned. He knew what he was doing, but even in the garden, he prayed, Father, <laughs> if you can, let this cup pass from me. He was willing, but he didn't necessarily want to do it. I mean, who would, who would truly want to be beaten beyond recognition or, you know, bear the sins of the whole world? None of us could ever even imagine what that weight felt like. I mean, think of... Um, Think of when you, you, you have, I don't know, a job or something like that, and there's been something asked of you, and you've never done it before. You can do it, but you've never done it before, and, and kind of the thoughts that go into it and, you know, just the pressures that come from wanting to do it the right way and the dip, you know, all the different things, you know. I mean, there was never a book written on how to be hung on a cross and beaten for, you know, humanity's sins. That, that, that was something that was new. That is something that will never have to be done again. He was the perfect lamb, the sacrifice um, that hung on the cross, but he's alive. He's not on that cross anymore. He's seated, the Bible says, he's seated at the right hand of heaven and that he's making intercession for each and every one of you today. So you have a high priest. Of, what does the Bible say? It says that understands everything that you go through. You know, there's not a thing that you're going to step into in life that God or Jesus is not aware of he understands the pressures of it he sweat drops of blood he understands being accused of things that he didn't do he understands being stabbed in the back he understands all of these things that you're going to walk through in life and yet he did it without animosity he did it with pure love on the inside of him which tells me we can do that too we can do that too you know and for me in april traveling the world just it, it wasn't something we grew up really wanting to do i didn't i could tell you that much i the only missionaries i ever knew were pretty poor 
you know, and who, what young man wants to grow up and, you know, have a family and not be able to support him, do anything for, you know, I mean, no one wants that. I mean, think of a father. It says good things. He wants to give good things to his children. Think of your heavenly father, you know, all of those things. And so for me, it was a struggle of, no, I I don't really want to do that. I had my grandparents had gone to Papua New Guinea for a period of time. My aunt had been in Amsterdam, and both of them were pretty rough landings when they, you know, when they when they came back through. I mean, it's not always pretty. And uh, I can remember thinking, I don't really want that, you know. But one thing I did want was what he wanted. And so that outweighed the natural thoughts of how or where or what. Because I can tell you, if you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to push things aside. You're going to have to do it. He's already done it. Jesus has already made the way. God has already spoken it, but you're going to have to enact it in your life. No one else is going to do it for you. You can have people like Pastor Brad that can direct you and help you in those things, but you are going to have to make those choices. You're going to have to push things out of your life. You're going to have to, you know, make roads in places where other people haven't before. And here's the thing. No two of you are alike. No two of you are called to do exactly the same thing. Um, think about the snowflakes that come down. You don't get them here. We get them in not much at least. They say that not one is the same as the next. Billions upon billions of snowflakes and not one, if you look at it under a microscope, not one of them looks like the next one. If you look at your thumbprint and show it next to the person next to you and next to you, you will never see the same print on a person, which tells me God is so intricate in the way he does things and the plans that he has for you Psalms 1, or I think it's 138 or 139, it says that he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. You know, the same God that Jesus and him and the Holy Spirit created the world knew you before the world was created. I know you can't understand that, but God is eternal. He lives in eternity, one eternal now. We live in time at this moment, but we will live in eternity one day. Um, Amazing. And very unfathomable (laughs) for us. You really can't totally wrap your head around it in this age and in this time. And you're not supposed to. There's things that we, you know, God says them, he does them, and you have to trust him. You have to take him at his word. You have to believe him. And that becomes what you stand on. That becomes your foundation. The Bible talks about in Matthew 7 that there was, you know, building your house on a rock and not on the sand. Build your house on the rock of Jesus, on his words. And when the winds and the storms and the things come, you will not be shaken in whatever happens. Are you looking at me? (laughs) She's looking at me going, where is this in your notes? (laughs) And so as we get going, I kind of wanted to take you to, there's a set of scriptures in Matthew 6. Uh, 16, 24 through 27. I, I told Brad I had three scriptures for the day, and he said, is that all? And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll fix that. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I did. And so um, as we turn there, it, it, it basically kind of, kind of gives you a thought process for what really matters in this, in this world. Um, there's many things, you know, we strive for finances, we strive for a nice house, we for strive for a good spouse, if our kids could get good jobs, we strive for so many things in this life. 
and really none of them, in the end are going to add up to a whole lot. I don't mean that. It, it's okay to do that, but it can't be number one in your life. It can't be number one in your life. What is number one in your life is what he has for you. You know, you, the Bible says you were bought with a price, you know, the precious blood of Jesus. And at that moment, if you truly want to walk out what the plan is for your life that he has, then it's, you give it over. You hand it back, you know, and it's kind of one of those things, and it's, a, it's, it's kind of like a roller coaster in a way. Um, you never know what's coming around that bend. It could be a dip. It could be a climb. It could be any number of things. But more than likely, it's going to challenge your physical um, and mental thought processes because it's spiritual. What God does is spiritual. What he works through you is spiritual. He connects to you on a spirit level. That's what he is. And so in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, I actually just wanted uh, let's go to 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So here's the thing. You know, many times we go to different places around the world and we preach the gospel and we hear there, there's many different missions that you can do. Um, you can do missions where you go and you help build you can do medical missions. You can do crusade evangelism like we do. You can do, you can help in the churches with the strengthening. All of these things are good. But the one thing that matters, none of that, it, it, it's going to count, but not as much as the soul. You see, a soul, I, I like to say it like this, it's the currency of heaven. When you, the, the, that's the only thing you can take with you to heaven are people. You can't take the buildings. That would be nice, but he walks on streets of gold, so really wouldn't do a whole lot. You know, I mean, uh, the ruins you have here are beautiful, but they don't compare with what he has in heaven. The colors that you see, the greens, it's amazing here in this country. You fly over it and just patchwork green everywhere that you see. doesn't hold a candle to what heaven is going to look like. You're going to see so many different colors and different variations of those colors. It's amazing. So... Here's the thing. In the end, my goal is to encourage each of you to really go after what matters to God. He, he doesn't mind buildings. Build the biggest building you could possibly build. That's fine as long as you can fill it. You know, don't build a building just to build a building. Build a building to fill it. Um, you know, there are so many different aspects. We don't travel overseas. It's okay but we're not called. I, I'm, you know, I tell my wife all the time, you know, I hear people who go and they build these amazing things in different countries. They put in these, you know, vestibules or, you know, different things in Romania or different things like that. And I look at my wife and I say, I'm really glad that God created people that could do that because that's not me, you know. And that when you start to realize who you are and what God has for you, then you can start to narrow down where he's taking you and what he's asking you to do. And if you're looking to the person to the right of you to help you figure out what that is, they're probably doing the same thing you're doing. They're probably, you know, kind of peeking over there and trying to figure out what you're doing kind of a thing. And so just know in the process of all of this, it's really you and God. No one else can tell you or sh show you where you need to go. 
It's, a, it's only time with him that really makes the difference in this life. You have to spend time with him. And with where we're at right now, I, I, don't, I don't have time to go through all the things that are going on in this world. But the one thing that you can look at, God calls Israel a timepiece. And we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. And Jesus talked about the season. He talked to the Pharisees, and he said, you can tell what the sky looks like, if it's going to rain or if it's going to whatever, but you can't tell when the Savior of the world came in. And, and here's the thing. They had all the scripture. They knew exactly where he was going to be born. They knew, and he had all the pedigree. They just didn't like the way he looked. He didn't fit in the box that they wanted. He didn't wear the right tassels. He didn't, you know, have the right house. He didn't hang with the right people. You know, and, and here's the thing. You're going to find yourself, me and April found ourselves around many, many, many different people. I mean, I can, I remember this precious lady in the Philippines. We had been out ministering out in this town square and, and um, we had gotten done and she came up and she was almost out of breath. And, and she's like, did I miss it? And we said, well, did you miss what? And she said, did I miss it? We said, no, we could tell you exactly you know, what we're doing and what's going on. Well, she had flown in from somewhere else in that part of Asia for a surgery, and she was about to have a surgery, and she wanted prayer, and she heard there was some, so April was able to pray with her, but there are people everywhere around the world, whether they're looking for you or they're not, they need you. You are God's hands, and you are God's feet. He's already finished his job. He's given Jesus the keys to hell, but here we are. Why are we here? What's the purpose for us being here? Jesus already paid the price. Why don't we just, when we pray the prayer, go to heaven? There's more to it. There's more to that story. And each and every one of us has a story to write today and beyond. And that story, what is it going to look like? Is it going to look like, well, I worked four jobs. I made a lot of money. My kids are taken care of, which is all good. Or are you going to be able to do all of that and? You know, that's the thing. God is always an and God in a, in a lot of ways. When me and April start doing a project and we get to the point where we've almost completed it, there's always an and. There's never an end to the projects because we're willing to do the projects. We're willing to step into places. And what I'm saying is he's looking for those that are willing. He's looking for those that are willing to take a step, to take him at his word, and to do things. You know, I do believe there are some people sitting in these seats right here that are maybe going to go some different places. Um, go. Go. This world is small. It's really, really, really small. The, the places that you can see, I mean, the waterfalls we've seen in Bulgaria and in Peru. I've, I've climbed up Machu Picchu. I've seen Mount Everest. I've, I've gone all over the world. I mean, God has taken me. Never could have ever imagined at 15 years old, sitting in Detroit, Michigan, that I would be standing before you today and the things that God has done. I'm, we've traveled probably 30, 40 different countries. I don't know how many trips, 50, 40, 50, 60. Who knows now? I mean, it just keeps going. And not only that, I get to do it with my wife and my five-year-old little boy. We go everywhere together. I don't go by myself. We go together. We're a family. We're a unit. You know, my little boy, he lays hands on the sick and sees them healed. Saw it just this last time. I'll train him. Listen, maybe he'll never do that, and, you know, he will at some point, but maybe he's not going to be an evangelist or something like that. That's okay. He's still going to understand the processes and the ways that God works in his life because whatever he does, 
There are going to be people that need what he has on the inside of him. And there are people everywhere that you go that need what you have on the inside of you. The Bible talks about not taking a candle and putting something over it. It says, no, take it off and let that light shine for him. You might think, well, I don't have much to offer. Well, you do. You'd be surprised. One, you have Jesus on the inside of you. I think there was one person that said they were new, so I'm imagining most of us have asked Jesus into our heart. If not, there'll be a chance for you to do it at the end. Won't let that pass. But there are big plans for you. There are big things in, in, your, in your future. And if you rack up a good bank account, if you drive a Bentley, which I don't know if any of us here do that. Um, I like them. Um, they're fast. But, you know, anyway, just a car. Just a car. But uh, anyway, and, and you get all of these things, but you, you get to heaven and you haven't given your, your heart to Jesus, all that, was, all that was nothing. You see, we have this short sliver of time in between eternity. You know, what was, what it is, what it's going to be. And that's called life. There's these 80, 90, 100, 120, 140, back in Adam's days, 900,000 year. Whoa, can you imagine that, living a 1,000 years? Wow. You know, without TV, without movies, without popcorn, without any of that stuff. I mean, man, a thousand years of just working the ground and yeah. All, anyway, <laughs> we don't have that anymore. And you see that that's that's the progression. One of sin. We were never supposed to die. Man was never created to die. They were created spiritually in the image of God. The Bible says that he would come. And he would walk with them, and he would talk with them in the garden. They had everything that they needed, and yet didn't have what they wanted. That is the age-old problem with man, is, is they want what they shouldn't have, what, what's not good for them, what's going to, you know, I mean, we got movie after movie where they want this, but they shouldn't have that. And that is what life is, and it's, it's about controlling. It's about learning what is and what isn't, what you need and what you don't need. But in the end, what matters? What are you going to take with you? You're going to take yourself. You, do you understand how important you are? You are so important that the blood of Jesus was shed for you. He never met you personally. At least I don't think so. I've never met Jesus personally. I've, spiritually, I've had him, you know, talk or converse or things like that but physically I've, I've never met him he never looks Sierra in her eyes you know I mean but he knows her in fact the Bible says he knows the number of hairs that are on her head every single human being seven and a half billion people on the earth and he knows the number of hairs on every single person's head that's amazing and tomorrow he'll know the same it'll change you know my wife's hair goodness get in the shower it's Going down the drain, you know. I'm sitting there looking, man, you know. <laughs> I need to keep some, and she keeps losing, get more. What's going on here? <laughs> but anyway, all of this being said, he cares about you. He sees you. He knows you. He understands the ups and downs of life. He knows all of that. He's created uh, you for this time, for this season, for this charge. You're here for a reason. You're not here to take up space. You're here to share the gospel. Once you ask Jesus into your heart, which is everyone here asked Jesus into your heart? You all have Jesus? Yes, I thought so. 
I thought so. I could tell. Sometimes you could tell in a room when there, you know, you have some of that and when you don't. I could definitely tell there was, you know, that that was the case, you know, especially being in different countries. You know when, when things are a little wonky, you know, at times. And it's, so anyway, as, as we go forward, Jesus actually talked about in Luke 12, 16 through 21, if you want to go there. He talked about someone who they had lived a life, they had been uh, successful, uh, yet they did not walk out the plan of God for their life. And if you look at, uh, look at this right here. And he says, then he spoke a parable saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plent plentifully. That's good. You plant seed, you want a harvest. You know, that's, that's, that's the general idea. No one plants seed, goes out, plants different things, and then doesn't want to harvest. It's a lot of work to plant seed. And so he planted seed, plentiful, and he said, he thought within himself. That's, that's something that's important. He thought within himself, which means he didn't converse with God. He didn't ask God. He thought within himself. You know, it, it was, um, well, this looks good. Maybe I should do this kind of a, kind of a thing. And he thought within himself and said, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. And there I will store all my crops and goods. That happens a lot. People have a business. It grows outside of it. They move into a new place. They grow the business a little bit bigger. Same with the church, like Brad was talking about. You go from the one room to the ballroom. You're going to need more space. Growth is inevitable when God's involved in it. That's really what it comes down to. When it's seed that is planted in areas that he has told you to plant it in, it never produces just a seed. Seeds don't produce seeds. When you plant a kernel of corn, what do you get? You get a kernel of corn back, you get a stalk with lots of ears of corn, with lots of kernels of corn on those ears. God doesn't just give the seed back. He gives it back multiplied. And it comes back to... He gives it back multiplied, but then God doesn't go out and pull the corn for you and put it on your plate, does he? No. That's you. You go out. You reap the seed. This also is in finances. It's in every area of life. God doesn't reap the harvest for you. You reap the harvest. You plant it. It says he brings the increase. You go out and collect it. And so that's the same with souls. That's how me and April have always looked at it. You know, and here's the thing. It might not even be seed when it gets to stuff like that. It might not even be seed that you planted. You know, a lot of times there's people who plant and plant and plant. And they don't they don't see a return in that area. It might be in a different area. You might step into that and you see that return. You know, there's 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 times that that is the case, especially with me and her as we go overseas. I believe we're reaping stuff that people sowed seed years and years and years ago, because the way that God has really set up what we're doing in Bulgaria now we couldn't have done it. I mean, we've only been there two and a half years, and we're probably at about the 10-year mark, would you say? You know, if you're building it from the, ground, from the ground up with the churches, with the individuals that have started to travel with us, with all of that, it, it just really is – you don't like saying it's fallen into place because there's no such thing as just fallen into place. But through prayer, through stepping through certain, you know, things, it's, it's just moving at the pace that we couldn't have expected really – kind of at times you're like hey slow it down our faith has to catch up with all of this you know <laughs> i mean you're asking us for this and we're here right now we're we're, we're growing but we're, we're we're here 
And so it's, it, it's kind of fun to watch as you do. But back to this man over here. He says, I will store up all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, this is where he made the mistake. <laughs> I will say to my soul, so what's your soul? That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's, that's the natural man. That's the, the part that really kind of fights against the spirit. You know, when, you, when God says, hey, you can, you, know, you can shout at that wall, Joshua, and he says, it'll fall down. Your soul says, not a chance, that wall's how thick and it does this that's what the soul is it so the soul so he's talking to the just the natural man here you know he's not you know talking with god he's not talking with father there's nothing in here about him you know talking with him and getting god's plan and that's kind of what i'm getting at with this is you have to get god's plan as a child of god for you to succeed you have to have his plan not the world's plan not a plan not a plan that someone else did that's good, but you have to get your plan, and your plan will look different than his plan. He will ask you to do things different than he asked other people. I mean, the people that we've worked closely with for 20 years, uh, he's very different in the way that he does things, crusades. You know, I mean, we, you know, the ministry is the same, but the way he does it, the way he has people come with him, the finances, all of it, it's all different. And you have to understand that this is the way that God's working with you. Just the same as he will work with each and every one of you. You know, as you step out and you do certain things, I would venture to say every single one of us has probably heard the Holy Spirit on the inside tell you to do something. And I would venture to say each and every one of us could remember a time that we didn't do what he said. Um, I know I have multiple times. And why? Because of my soul. What will they think? What will it look like? What will it? We have to get past the soul is, is what I'm saying. We have to get past those feelings of what is this, what is that? Because here's the thing. If you can't get past the soul, then your 60, 70, 80 years of life will not produce what it's supposed to produce. You are supposed to continually produce bumper crops in your life. I'm not talking finances. I'm talking just in general. I'm talking harvest of souls. I'm talking friends. I'm talking jobs. I'm talking all of these things. That's what he wants for a child of God. He wants these things, but it has to be a life connected to him in his ways and his thoughts. For me and my wife, if we weren't doing what we were doing, then we couldn't go to God and say, hey, we want to do these renovations in the house. We could, you know, our whole life. We could go and we could work three jobs. That's fine. That's what the world usually does. You know, that's what they tell you to do. Get a, get a side job. Get a, and that's fine. If that's what God tells you to do, that's fine. But so many people are working themselves to the knuckles to produce things that aren't going to carry an eternal harvest. And that's what I'm trying to get to you. And the other side of it is I'm trying to help you move into a point to where it's not always – it's not you. It's not what you're doing. It's not – you know, how hard you're working. It's not the 80 hours you're working. It's not, this is all striving. This is all stuff with God. You don't have to strive. He can do in 25 hours what you could do in 80 hours if you ask him what to do. And that's where I'm trying to, to get each and every one of you is to ask him, is to, is to lean back on him because so many of us, we struggle with leaning back on him. You know, we have the self-help books. You know, most of those self-help books are pulled right out of the Proverbs. 
Almost every single thing they teach is pulled out of Proverbs, pulled out of Solomon. And you know Solomon, he was the wisest man that ever lived, the richest man that ever lived. And do you know when he was dying in Ecclesiastes 1, what did he say? He said, it's all vanity. None of it matters. The wealth doesn't matter. The 800 wives and who knows how many concubines doesn't matter. The palatial palaces, all the wisdom, it doesn't matter because he's dying. He can't do anything. He can't keep it forever. And that is what he's saying. It's, it's vanity. He says, nothing in this world did we actually bring into this world and we will ever take out of this world. It's us. It's our souls. It's our, our spirit. And it's other people. That's the thing that I'm trying to get to. It's other people. Other people are dependent on you and on your obedience to what God is asking you to do. There are people that are supposed to meet you in the mall, that are supposed to meet you in the, you know, in the, you know, in the alleyway. They're supposed to meet you uh, at the restaurant. They're supposed to meet you in the job, um, the hospital. They're waiting for you. There's things that you're supposed to do. There's leadings and, and guidings that God is, is asking. There's, there's ways that he's making you move into these different places, and all of them are to lead you to people. It's all centered around harvest. It's all centered around people. And Jesus, you know, when he got to the point where he was, he was, um, he was sharing these things and he was, he was showing these things. So let me finish up this right here really quick. He says, um, and I will say to you, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those then whose will those things be which you have provided? Then he said, so it is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That's, that's a pretty heavy thing to think about. Um, a lot of us think that God is some being out in the middle of the clouds, kind of sitting up there on his elbows, you know, maybe flicking a little bit of cloud, and you know, like a Zeus kind of thing or, or something like that. But God is very active in every area of your life. He's very active. And if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, it's even more active. I mean, he's guiding and he's leading you. Listen, you're not doing things by accident. You're not in places by accident. God doesn't do accidents. At the moment you get someplace and you're like, what am I here for? The best thing for you to do is stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, why am I here? Who am I supposed to talk to? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to pray for? Does someone need healing? And yes, these are all things that are going to make you step outside of that comfort zone that I was talking about that the soul wants to create on the inside of you. It wants to buffer you from embarrassment, from lack, from, you know what I'm saying, all of those things. That's, that's what the soul does. But the spirit's like, no, open up. Let's do this. You know, it might not be perfect. It might not look pretty all the time. But listen, if it's the word of God, it is going to happen. And so, as we go, I, I, I keep remembering, I'm trying to think of where to go from here. Um, there's a few different ways I can go. But I kind of want to share with you a little bit of, you know, just, just who we are and why we, why we do what we do. Um, we've been in Bulgaria. The reason? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> there's no other reason to be in, in Bulgaria. Um, but I believe that Europe is, is, is very, very harvest ready. 
in a lot of ways. It, is, it has been very slow in the harvesting and things like that because there have been many seeds of derision and doubt and, you know, different things that have been sown by different entities and different groups of people. And they have to work through, you know, those, those things to, to, to move into what God has for them in different ways. But I believe that they're there and they're ready. And the reason is, is as the world kind of is hurling towards wherever it's, <laughs> wherever God is taking it, we're going to need that. We're going to need uh, to know what that is. And so it, it's a timetable. It's a timepiece. You're looking at the things that are going on out there, and it should tell you, okay, you need to be busy. You need to be ready. You need to be talking with people. You need to be going exactly where God wants you to go. And that's why we do what we do. That's why Brad and Amy are here right now uh, in Ireland. Because God told them, go sow seed in Ireland. Go do this. And now they're looking to, uh, to reap that seed. And so unless your life is connected to eternity and what eternity is doing, it is not going to carry the success. And you're not going to be happy in everything that you do. You might be able to mirror that happiness. You might be able to kind of put a, something over that happiness. But it will not create life on the inside of you. And each and every one of you know what I'm talking about. When you do something and you know that's exactly what I was supposed to do. That was what God wanted me to do. That was where I was supposed to be. That was the person. It might not be some big ah moment. It might be some little thing. I'm thinking I was in Thailand probably 10 years ago and we were in the middle of a market. Um, and what we do is we go in and there's a group of um, people and they do like this little skit and I'm usually leading one of the teams. And so what I do a lot of times is I'll go stand kind of outside of where the group of people that's gathered to see the skit is. And I'll kind of watch. And I'll ask the Holy Spirit, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And on this particular day, there was a guy sitting way back on the edge of a curb. And he was just sitting there. And he's like, he's not even paying attention to the skit. His, his, his eyes are all over the place. He's kind of looking. And the Holy Spirit says, go sit next to him. And so I go, the, the team is doing their thing. I go and I go to sit next to him. And he's got Down syndrome. Uh, you can tell he's, he's, um, he's, he's definitely in that way. And I sit down and within probably five seconds, he lays his head on my shoulder, just like a little kid. He's 40 years old, lays his head on my shoulder. And the Holy Spirit says, this is what you're here for. And I said, okay. And so they got done with the skit. And I went and got the interpreter, because I don't speak Thai yet. Um, and I asked her to come and start to talk to him and ask him if he understood what he saw. Because he was watching it. Y you know, my five-year-old can be watching something and totally doing something else. A lot of humans can, can do that, and that's what he was doing. He was out over here, but he knew exactly what was going on. He was locking into the things that were happening. And so... She starts to talk to him, and he responds, and she looks at me and says, I can't talk to him. Um, he doesn't speak Thai. He's from one of the hill tribes up in the northern part of Thailand, and I don't speak his language. And come to find out, he had lived in this market for 20 years. He never had a job. There were these three ladies that had hair-cutting booths in this market, and every once in a while, they would give him something to eat. And he came every single day hours and would sit on that little curb every single day for 20 years couldn't converse with anyone couldn't talk to anyone so I'm like okay Lord 
what do you, you want to do here? He says, well, I want you and the interpreter to pray in the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. So we started to pray in the Holy Spirit, and not more than five, six seconds later, he says, okay, now have her talk to him. And so I say, okay, can you ask him? She asks him, and I, I, I kid you not, he started to speak in Thai, perfect Thai. And in a moment of time, God reached down. This guy who couldn't understand her reached down, helped him understand because he cared about his spirit. He cared about his soul so much that he sent a team there to reach this young man. So he starts to talk. She says, do you understand? He says, yeah, there was this guy over here, and he was a good guy because he helped this person with this, and he helped this person with this. And he explained all the different things. And I said, do you know who that guy is? And he said, no, I don't know who that is. I said, that guy's name is Jesus. He said, okay. I said, do you like what that guy did? He said, oh, yeah, that, that guy was really great. And he's talking this whole time. And the ladies in the booth, the haircutting, they are in shock. They're talking to each other. They said to one of the team members, we've never seen him talk like this. And we can hear him. They can hear him. He's understanding it all. They're watching it. So not only is God reaching this guy, but he's also opening the hearts of these ladies along the edge. And he, he's doing things that we never even imagined he could do and he would do just for one person, two people, three people, four people. You never know. So as it was as it was going on, I said, do you want Jesus in your heart? Do you want to pray? He says, yeah, I want to pray. So we lead him in a, in a prayer to ask Jesus into his heart right there. He gets this huge smile on his face. You know, his hands go up in the air. And all of a sudden I turn around and I say to her, I said, OK, now ask her this. And she goes to ask him and he goes back to talking that other language. So in a five-minute span of time, God reached out of eternity, opened up this guy's understanding to be able to receive him. So don't tell me that God won't use you in a moment of time. He won't take you in a moment, and he won't use you in the way that you feel uh, inadequate to do. God desires to do that, and he desires to do that in your life. And so as you... I could tell you story after story of, of different things along those lines. I mean, we've seen blind eyes, deaf ears, all of that. Come here. <laughs> this is my wife, April. The detailed one. <laughs> so we, um, he talked about how we're going into Bulgaria. Really, our heart is for the world. We've been in Asia. We've been in South America. Uh, but right, really, right before, a few years before COVID, actually, uh, but God redirected us uh, to Europe, which is uh, what, we, what we've had on our heart. But sometimes you have to wait for God's timing. And so, um, so we met a couple from Bulgaria. At that time, we had already been going into Croatia. And that couple... Um, opened doors for us. Uh, him and Joel, Long. I'm going to kind of shorten the story, but uh, a year later, March of 2021, they went to Bulgaria, and he introduced them to a network of pastors. And so there's, uh, there's usually, uh, you know, somebody specific that God will connect you with 
to, um, to set a plan in motion, his plan. And so there was. There was one pastor. There was a father who was kind of like an apostle, meaning he was over churches all over Bulgaria. They have a network of churches. Well, his son, whose name is Pastor George, and his wife, Polly, um, they uh, really, their hearts connected to ours. And so we have been doing evangelism festivals all over Bulgaria. And so we've been in the cities. Uh, we just went on this trip. We went to a village, probably 1,800 people. And um, when we went, we do entertainment. We go in the city centers where people gather. And so, you know, in Europe, the nice thing is, at least when the weather's good, uh, people are outside. And so they are really big on making memories and being together. And so, so Bulgaria is very much like that. And so we go in the city centers outside. We want to get out to where the people are. And we just love on them. And we'll have entertainment. And we'll draw people. Everybody likes music, right? And then we will uh, preach the simple gospel message to them. And then we give them, we invite them. There's no pressure. We just invite them to receive Jesus, and we'll pray for them for healing in their bodies. And we went into this village, and people were so open. We have had times where we've went in, and we've invited them, and you look around, and there's not a lot of people praying. And that's okay, because they've still heard the message of Jesus. And you never know what later what God will do in their hearts and so at least they have the message and the knowledge of Jesus and how much he loves them. So, but this time when we went, there was, I looked around and I was in the crowd when Joel was praying and inviting them to receive Jesus. And I could see everyone around me praying. And so it was really exciting. And then after we had a team of seven or eight people with us from this church that we partner with, uh, Pastor George and Polly, and they came with us few hours drive away and um, we helped with their expenses booked a hotel that came with us and there were all sprinkled throughout the crowd and praying with people for healing you know we saw a lady who was diabetic her left eye she was healed in her left eye sorry that was that's my right eye but she was healed in her left eye and she could see and Joel's testing her vision and she's she's getting it right there there was a gentleman who because of an accident, couldn't lift his arm up past here. And he, we were, there were so many people that wanted prayer after that um, I just said to a few people, just pray for them on the side as a group. We don't need to lay hands on people for them to receive healing. Just pray for them. And they did. Well, he was in that group and he started lifting up his arm and he was so happy. And after that, we talked to him and his wife and she's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> you got your healing. We'll see you guys later. And so those are just two of them, but there were more. But, um, but God is good. And uh, when you step out and continue to step out, you might not get immediate results, but then one day it'll just break open and you'll see, uh, you'll reach an area, a part where people are ready, where they're hungry, where they need it, and they want it, and they're going to go after it, and God is good. So, that's what we do. He is. <laughs> and so, it, it's fun. And basically, we're saying that because each and every one of you, that story can be yours. You know, people can look, and we don't do anything special. We just do what God asks us to do, and it's fun. You know, yes, it's tiring. Yes, my little boy sleeps in 10 beds every place that we go, and 
it can be tiring and you come back with a cough and you do things like that. I'm thinking of when I get to heaven and I walk into heaven and there are people from country after country after country that I was able to help pray the prayer of salvation. And I'm going to know them. And it's going to be such a joy to know because here's the thing. This life is very, very short. The Bible says it's a vapor. It's very short. You have a short amount of time, I was saying that, to make a difference in this life. And that amount of time, God will look at. And he will say, okay, what did you do with the time I allotted you? Did you do what I asked you to do? You know, some of you, maybe you're doing something he didn't ask you to do. Take a check of your life. Ask. Say, okay, God, am I supposed to be doing this? Or am I supposed to be doing something else? Because in the end, I don't want anyone that I've looked in the face to be able to say, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I didn't know I was supposed to be over here doing this at this church, and instead I was over here at a job trying to make money to make ends meet. And that's okay. You can make ends meet. God's not asking you not to make ends meet, but when you're in the right place, he can make those ends meet in ways you could never make them meet. And so, you know, as April said, when we go and we preach the gospel, and when I, when I say the gospel, this, this is the gospel, but the gospel that brings power, Paul talks about it in Romans 1, and he talks about it in 1 Corinthians, and it's the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ. It's his miracle birth, which is a miracle. A, a, a spirit can be born into a human being and can come out as 100% God and 100% man. You can never say that about another person ever that he lived a miracle life. He, he showed the world what God thought about the world, how he cared about the world. He put value into every single person. And he took people, I don't, I don't like to say that, but he took people who thought they had certain things all set, and he said, listen, you need to rearrange. That's what he tried to do. Now, they didn't like it. They didn't take it that way, but that's what he was trying to do. He's trying to get them to shift their thinking into what he had for them. And some of them did. You think about, um, I forget the Pharisee that came at night. Yep, Nicodemus. Yep. And you think they did shift. And so there were things. You think about Mary Magdalene, different ones that were living certain lives. And all of a sudden, Jesus was able to shift them into a purpose and into a place. And they started to give their all. She did. She broke an alabaster jar over his feet, used her hair to wipe it off. She gave her all. She knew what she had. And so... At this moment, at this time, I'm asking you, do you know what you have? Do you know what God has on the inside of you? Do you know the seeds that you have to plant into the world, into the people around you? Now, when you go and you share this gospel, I was telling you what the gospel was. <laughs> Miracle life. Then his death on the cross. No one else. I mean, people lived or people died on the cross, but no one was beat to the point that he was beat. Physically, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. We go to these different places around the world, and we're in Bulgaria. They don't even want us to show the passion of the Christ because it's too physically disturbing. But that is what happened. And probably it's a little bit softer than what actually, actually happened. I mean, it said that it showed his bones. It showed the insides, all of these different things. You didn't have to have that. But here's the thing. You have to understand what he went through, what he paid to then get yourself into a place where you're willing to say, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so then his miracle, his, his resurrection. You never want to leave Jesus on the cross. He's not on the cross. So those four, 
Those are what I call the power points of the gospel. And that is what carries the power. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. That's what Paul said in Romans. You preach that. And all of a sudden, the power of salvation is in a place. The power of healing is in a place. The power to cast out demons is in the place. The power to set people free is in the place. And it's not because you preached a good message. It's because you preached the gospel of Jesus. Do you know how simple it is to go to your next door neighbor and share those little things? It really is simple. And know that when you do that, there's the power there for God to change something in their life. At that moment, you have the ability. God has the ability to work through you in that moment because you have done what he's asked you to do. You have preached that gospel. We go everywhere we go. We go with expectancy that he's doing things along those lines because we've seen it. We know it and we know what he has said. So we don't ever have to coax people into accepting Jesus. That's not our job. Our job is not to, you know, to do these things. Our job is to lay out what Jesus did and then let the spirit bring them in. There is no pressure on you. If people don't want what you have, that's not on you. That's on them. Your job is to share. Your job is to go out. Your job is to make available to them what someone else made available to you. So in the end, I want to end with 2 Peter and be done. Um, 2 Peter 3, I believe, is right where we're at at this day and this age and this time. And I don't know if there's more relevant scripture for the moment that we're in than 2 Peter 3. Um, it talks, you know, it starts in Peter, Peter. Peter's a warner. Peter's always wondering about other people. Peter's always, Peter, Peter's, Peter's kind of what a lot of people are. They get their nose in other people's business. What's going on with him? What's happening here? You know, he's the one that will always talk first, think second. <laughs> um, at the same time, Peter is also, he loves God. You know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And so the reason I love Peter so much is because God, he goes to the nth degree to bring you in and to put you in a place where you can work for him. You know, and he knew that Peter had the goods. And I know that I'm staring at people today and looking at people today. I know you have the goods. I know you have the things on the inside of you. I know you can reach people that you don't think that you can. I know you have that ability. And I just want to leave with this because we're in such a crucial time in history. We don't have much more time on this earth. Not in the, not in the way that we are right now. We're, we're coming to the end of this age. You ask what age is it? It's the church age. It's the age where Jesus gave all authority to the church. You know, he finished it, went to heaven, right hand of God. All authority has been given to you. That's what it said in Mark 16, 15. Now go out and preach the gospel. Go out and make disciples. And that is where we are. And not only are we there, we're not at the beginning of the church age. We're at the very end of the church age. And so this is my push to you. 7.5 billion people. About three to three and a half that have never heard the gospel before, which means they've never prayed, which means if they were, if Jesus was to come back today, they would not be going to heaven. Their eternity would be somewhere else. That is a very stark reality that we are looking at. And so every moment that we have in this time and in this moment, you know, in these, in these hours, we need to be using it to reach people, whether it's through Internet, whether it's through going, whether it's through all these different things. We need to be using it for him. We need to be using it to reach people because this is fast approaching the end. And I don't want there to be anyone left. God, you know, I mean, in, in 
1 John 2, it says that he died for the sins of you and me and the sins of the whole world. He didn't leave anyone out. He didn't leave Muslims out. He didn't leave Hindus out. He didn't leave Catholics out. He didn't leave Jehovah's Witness out. He didn't leave anyone out. And so, 2 Peter 3, 12, Peter gives us kind of a discourse of the events that were going to take place. Uh, it's been 2,000 years, about 2,000 years since he wrote this discourse. And we're actually living in the times that Peter thought was going to be happening pretty soon. Paul thought so too. Really, all of them did. And that's what I'm trying to get at. Is 2,000 years ago, they were living with such an urgency that Jesus was coming back soon that they were pressing on into areas that they weren't used to pressing on. And here we are 2,000 years later at the end, and we should be doing that ourselves. And so the first thing he tells us in verse 2, he says, be mindful of the words and the prophecies. I was telling you that. That's how Jesus came into this earth. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. They took the word right here. They read it. They spoke it. And as that word was spoken, we know by faith it creates, it produces those things that God wants in your life. So Jesus was produced. So his return is being produced the same way. Through the prophecies that they gave. Do you know there are twice as many or three times as many prophecies about his second coming as his first coming? Which means it's more sure than the first coming. And the first coming's happened. So, this is what it's going to be. These are the last days. Then, the condition of the world and what it will look like. What it will be looking like when he comes. We're looking at it right now. It says men will be scoffers. Men will be, you know, lovers of themselves. It says all of these different things. This is nothing new. You know, we, we look at it and we think, wow, that's just like the world we're living in. Yep, he told you. He told them 2,000 years ago what it would look like, you know, and it doesn't change. Third, then he reminds them of who God is, what God has done, the flood, the creation, all the different things that he did, the fact that he can do things that he says he's going to do, and he's God. That's what he does. He, he does not say something. God does not say something and then pull it back. He will never pull back what he says because he thinks about what he says before he says it, says it. He knows that there are power in his words. Then he gives us a view of eternity. He compares it to our times. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years like a day. He's trying to give us a picture of eternity in a way that we could understand it. You know, one day, a thousand years, imagine that. So basically, we've been here two days. We've had eons and eons of people now. But we've been here in his mind two days. He thinks on things differently. He doesn't see things the same way that we do. So he explains it this way. Um, there, uh, more time means more harvest that can come in. You know, he says that. He says, I'm not slack in my words. I'm not mistaken in what I've said. The reason I haven't come is because I'm giving people that opportunity and you that opportunity to come in to the kingdom of God. That is why he is waiting. He's not waiting. There, there are certain things, like there are certain things that have to come in place. Prophecies, they're all there. Every single one of the prophecies is hitting right where it's supposed to be. What's left is the harvest. What's left is what he wants. What he wants. I, I believe there'll be one day that we're all doing something and that last tribe will be reached. That last people group will be touched by someone and we're out of here. We're out of here. It's not an escape clause. It's not a worry thing. It's the job is done. What he's asked is done. But until then, it says, be busy. It's night, but the day, or, or the night is, or it's day, but the night is coming, and it's coming fast. 
You know, in the night, we know you can't do work at night. That's what he's saying, basically. So he says more harvest coming in. He's given us a specific idea. Um, then it, it's accomplished. Once it's accomplished, Jesus will return. Uh, number five, the Lord will return on his timetable, not the world's. On his timetable, not the world's. They're looking. They're thinking, well, I don't see. And all the time, we're looking at this Bible saying, okay, this is lining up. Okay, this is lining up. The world doesn't see it. It says they'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. All of these things are going on. So you, as the light, as the body of Christ, it's your job to direct, to show, to bring to where it needs to be. Um, to them, it will seem like he snuck up. It says a thief in the night. But to us, there was, there's no sneaking up. We know what's coming. We know where we're going. We know what's happening in the process of that. But to the church, we're ready. We're looking for him. That's a key. Are you looking for his return? Because the Bible says in the next scripture, it says we hasten the return of the Lord, which means it's not a set time. It's a hastening. How are you looking at it? Are you, are you prepared? Are you excited about his coming? Are you talking to people? You know, Jesus is returning soon. And as you do that, just like it created Jesus when they talked about, you know, well, the son is supposed to come and he's supposed to come from Bethlehem and he's supposed to do this, all that wrapping in, all those people talking about the seed, talking about the different things. That's what's going on right now. Are you hastening his return? Are you talking about his return? Are you reaching out to people? Are you doing these different things which will then come together and create that opportunity for Jesus to do what he needs to do. So, as we look forward to his coming and we talk about it, as we stay busy doing the work of the kingdom, we're hastening it. The more we see his day approaching, the more we reach out to the lost, the hurting, and we draw them in. So the stage is set. The end of the age is here. Jesus' return is imminent. Everything in the Bible points to it over and over and over. We could sit here for hours, but we're not going to because we got to go out and we got to reach people. we got to do what God asks us to do. And so I want to finish up with prayer. Um, just praying for you guys really quick. Um, a lot of times I'll have people just repeat. Um, this isn't a prayer of salvation or anything else, but it's more of just a charge. You know, just saying, Lord, we're ready. We're willing to do what you ask us to do. We're willing to reach those people that you're asking us to reach. I'm willing to step outside of comfort zones that I've created in my own life. Uh, he doesn't create them. You create them. <coughs> He's looking for you to step outside of them. So, Lord, I pray now for each and every one of these precious individuals. Lord, I believe at this moment and at this time you are putting different people faces in front of them right now. People that they can reach. People that they can talk to. People that they can share with. Lord, I pray that as they start to see them, Lord, I thank you that they. They don't talk themselves away on the, in the soulish realm to not going, but, Lord, they allow your spirit to show them exactly what to do and how to reach them. Lord, I believe that every soul out there is reached a specific certain way, and not everyone is reached the same way. So, Lord, I thank you that you're downloading into people right now plans, ways to reach the people that you have for them. Lord, I thank you that you're going to give them opportunities. They're going to find, you know, they're going to find out that, that, you know, you're going to set them up in certain places, and they're going to have to make a decision. Are they going to allow that, or are they just going to allow it to go by again? Lord, I pray that in this day, in this hour, in this time, that they don't allow it to go by, that they allow you to lead them in each and every aspect of their life. And, Lord, I pray that they would be willing to step out 
past themselves. Lord, show them the plans that you have for them. They're good plans. They're plans for success and uh, to succeed, but they're plans for that so that they can then reach the lost. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts in this time and in this moment. And, Lord, I pray that they would uh, be willing to do those things maybe that they have not done before. And I thank you. I believe that I'm praying for a group of people that Pastor Brad is going to start to hear stories of them reaching out to different people in their lives. And he's going to hear things, and it's going to encourage. And in that process, this church is going to grow. Your hearts are going to burn more for Jesus. It's going to be an amazing time, and I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Ah, sorry for the raspy voice. Sorry for the pretty droopy eyes. I haven't had much sleep. A little bit of jet lag here and there. But here we are. We, we, we enjoy it. We give what we have. And, you know, it's, it's not about you or anything else. It's about him working through you. You know, and my prayer is that something that I said stuck on the inside of each and every one of you in one way or another, and you go home thinking about things in a different way. Bless you.